have never understood how some people can read the Bible and not see how it can be just hilarious. Some of these stories are pure comedy. Jesus just tosses off these one-liners and tells parables that are essentially jokes. I have no doubt that when some of the material was offered to some of the members of the early church, they laughed out loud. And why not? Our news is too good and too serious not to come with great laughter. The story that we heard just a few moments ago is a comedy. A tale of people who ask for the impossible and then the impossible happens and when the impossible actually comes and is knocking at their door they say that's impossible and then they go back to pray for the impossible. <laughs> now the way it begins isn't funny at all. King Herod has put to death the Apostle James and he discovered that his poll numbers go up. And so he arrests Peter and he plans to kill him in the morning. And so the church gathers together that evening to pray through the night. Oh God help Peter and if it is possible, please deliver him from death. Now they do this in spite of the fact that God had not delivered James from death and surely they prayed for him too. What is more, by the time this story is written down, Peter had been put to death by the government, and surely they prayed for him then. So be very clear, hear me, that this story is not suggesting that if we pray for miracles that we will always necessarily get them. Prayer is a conversation held in mystery and part of the mystery is that terrible freedoms are granted to the Herods of this world. And sometimes evil gets a temporary victory. Peter knows this too. In a prison cell, he is chained right there between two soldiers. And come morning, he expects to die. But he doesn't seem to be troubled by it because he has fallen fast asleep. And then while he is asleep, the prison cell is just filled with beautiful light and an angel appears and pokes him in the ribs. Get up, he says, and Peter's chains fall away. But he is still so sleepy that the angel has to walk him through the process of getting dressed. Probably like you have done sometimes if it's happened to you for a very sleepy little child. Come on now, come on, get dressed. Put on your pants, good, good, now let's put on your shirt, good boy, that's good now. Let's put on your shoes, okay, we're going outside now. <laughs> Peter is so drowsy, it feels like a dream as they walk past the guards and down through the gate to the street. And he's thinking, wow, what a great dream I'm having walking with an angel. And then after a few blocks, the angel disappears and Peter fully awakens to find that he is a free man. I think sometimes it may happen to us like that. It dawns on you one day that you're better, that for a while now God has been loosening old chains in your life and walking you towards that freedom that you're only now discovering is really yours. You didn't make it happen. You didn't even see it happening. 
but in secret, it was progressing. Maybe we should not be so discouraged when we feel like we are stuck in this life. How do we know that we are really stuck? The Spirit can walk us through changes that we cannot now perceive and walk us into a beautiful future down the road that we never thought we would see. Peter, now fully awake to his new freedom, decides to go to Mary's house where he knows they are praying for him. And he knocks on the door, and this servant girl named Rhoda runs to the door to find out who it is. But she doesn't open the door because it's 4 o'clock in the morning. Who's there, she says, and she hears a very familiar voice on the other side. It's me, Rhoda, Peter. Woohoo, she says, and she runs to tell the others, forgetting the one minor fact that she didn't open the door and let him in. And she blurts out to this prayer meeting, you all, Peter is at the door. And they say, no, no, honey, you're crazy. He's in jail, and we're asking God to set him free. And then they go back to praying. And she interrupts again, but he's standing at the door. And somebody says, it's his angel. Oh, God, he's dead. He's come to comfort us. Thank you, oh, Lord, now that he's at last at peace. Now help us in our time of grief. Well, at this point, Rhoda is about to explode. But then, as I imagine it, a woman, maybe Mary Magdalene or maybe one of the others who had been to a grave early one Sunday and found Jesus alive standing outside his own tomb, one of them says, hey, hey boys, wait a minute, you didn't believe us either, but it was true. Now, all this time, Peter is outside and his knuckles are hurting from knocking. He is the first person to realize that it can be easier for God to open a prison or open a tomb than to open a church. But at last, they open the door, and the happy reunion happens, and Peter tells them his story and tells them to pass on the good news to all the others, and then he leaves for another place. Where does this story find you and me? It finds most of us in that group of Christians, Rhoda found practicing the motions of religion, but not believing, not accepting that real changes, real miracles can still happen in our world. It's the kind of assumption that Woody Allen once described when he said, it's not that I don't believe God exists, I just think he's an underachiever. I think that we can call it functional atheism. Now, ministers can be among the worst, by the way. Did you hear about the pastor who was visiting a woman at the hospital who was all but gone, and when he had finished his brief visit, he turns to leave, and she whispers to him, pray for healing, pastor. And so he did. But before he could leave, she sprang out of the bed, started dancing around the room, and threw herself into the pastor's arms saying, thank you, thank you, I am healed, I am healed. Well, the pastor left the room, walked out of the hospital, down to his car, got in the car and put his head down on the steering wheel and said, Lord, don't you ever do that to me again. <laughs> Here is our problem. Most of us have a kind of faith that is pretty much rational. 
We all have hopes, and most of us bring our hopes to God in prayer. But as Frederick Buechner once lamented, we only hope for what is reasonable to hope for. We are a very prudent people. Do we pray for a cure for cancer, for world peace, for an end to all violence, an end to hunger, an end to all poverty? Sometimes we do not let ourselves hope for or pray for anything that we think is really not possible. It might be too big, which incidentally also means we refuse to give ourselves to attempting or achieving what we think is not possible when with God's help it might really have been. Most of us never journey much beyond our own comfort zone. Real faith is the evidence of things not seen. One of my favorite ministers, Fred Craddock, tells this story from his Appalachian boyhood. One summer night, he and his father were out in the backyard. Fred was lying on his back, looking up at the stars, and his father looked at him and said, son, how far can you think? Well, I don't know, Dad. What do you mean? Just think as far as you can think up towards the stars. Craddock says, I nailed down my imagination, and I said, okay, I'm thinking, I'm thinking as far as I can think. And his father said, well, in your mind, drive down a stake out there. Have you driven down that stake that's as far as you can think? And the boy said, yes, sir. His father said, now, what's on the other side of your stake? And Fred said, well, Dad, there's, there's more sky. And his father said, move your stake. Craddock says he and his father spent the evening moving the stake further and further outward. There are times like these in every life when the boundaries of our thinking get moved to a further place or a deeper place than we have been before. That's what education is for. It's what parents and churches want to help their children experience. It's what all good teachers keep telling us. Move your stake. Sometimes it's what crisis does to us too. Something terrible happens and forces us beyond old assumptions and certainties. But there doesn't have to be a crisis or a teacher. It can come out of nowhere, that quickening suspicion that there is more for us to desire, to know, and to do. It's time for us to move old boundaries of understanding and commitments. I believe it is the never-ending project of our lives. We are here to grow and to never stop growing. Each of us have been given an invitation to spend all of our years growing in character and compassion and gratitude and curiosity, generosity and friendship and wisdom and commitment to knowing and knowing and knowing more and more and more of the truth. Right now, imagine you were looking at the sky 
And somewhere out there driving down a stake at the limits of what you think about God, who you can be in Him, and how much you can love. What's on the other side? Move your stake. In the New Testament, in the epistle to the Ephesians, there is a prayer for this very thing. I think it's probably my favorite prayer in the Bible. The Apostle Paul says, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. This is a very tall prayer, isn't it? A tremendous wish to comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of God and to be filled with the fullness of God. Good heavens, why such a towering prayer for us? because you were born for nothing less. Real faith will hope for what is beyond just the reasonable and will act toward what others may think is just impossible. Most of all, faith is a willingness to live in amazement. This world as bad as it is someday, is not a closed system. The power of living love of God is loose in this world. And we don't know, we don't know what might yet be given, what might be achieved. Think of it. Nothing God ever brought about was humanly possible. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or all that we can imagine. What could he do with you if you were able to let go of your fears and find God at the end of your comfort zone? So let our longings reach higher. Let our hope and our prayers grow larger. And let our faith move us to risk ourselves on a great deal more than what is just reasonable. Let us live lives that are open to radical amazement. And who knows, the answer to some of your prayers may already be knocking at your door. Let us pray, my friends.